Sound Words, Christian Magazine, Volumes 21-30. Republished by Irving Risch, host of Down-to-Earth but Heavenly-Minded Podcast. The Sufficiency of Christ's Grace. Timothy, evidently deeply affected by Paul's imprisonment, was in danger of allowing the trying circumstances to hinder his work for the Lord, and the Apostle therefore exhorted him to rekindle the divine gift that was in him. Naturally timid, and weak in body, there seems to have been the tendency with Paul's beloved child, to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, and to shrink from the path of suffering. To encourage and stir Timothy, the Apostle reminds him of his sufferings and tells him that he is not ashamed, also that Onesiphorus was not ashamed of his chain. If weak in himself, Timothy was to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul had proved for himself the sufficiency of Christ's grace. Earlier in life Paul had thought that weakness would hinder him in the service of the Lord, and thrice besought the Lord to remove the thorn in his flesh, but the Lord answered. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What then is natural timidity or weakness of body when the grace of Christ is our resource? Do they not enable us to prove as Paul proved, the sufficiency of the grace of Christ? Introduction to 2 Peter. Like the first epistle, the second is written to believers of the circumcision. See 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 1. The first epistle unfolds the true grace of God in which we stand, and gives many solemn exhortations to saints passing through suffering for righteousness' sake and for the name of Jesus. This second epistle has also many exhortations, and gives divine light concerning God's government of the world. In the first epistle we learn that judgment begins at the house of God, here we see the judgment of the world, judgment on the corruption and wickedness of men. And finishing with the burning up of the heaven and earth. We are left in no doubt as to who the writer is. If chapter 3 verse 1 shows that the same author wrote both epistles, the opening verse of this chapter tells us it is Simon Peter. The same Simon Peter who was with the Lord Jesus on the glory mount, verse 18. He was a bondman and apostle of Jesus Christ. Precious privilege, to be in the service of the Lord Jesus, serving him while ministering to those who are loved by Jesus, carrying out too his appointed work as apostle to the circumcision. In the writing of this letter, there is no writer's name to the Hebrew epistle, for it was evidently not written by the apostle to the circumcision, it was doubtless written by Paul, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. And the fact that he was not the apostle to the circumcision is probably one of the reasons for the omission of the writer's name. If the letter is for the dispersed of Israel, it is for believers, for those who had received like precious faith with Peter and those with whom he met. While the mass of Israel were marked by unbelief, there was the remnant of grace that had received this precious faith. They had received this faith, it was God's gift to them, just as Paul had said to the Ephesians, for ye are saved by grace, through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is God's gift. Not on the principle of works, that no one might boast. It was the faith of Christianity, faith in the divine revelation of God in the person of the Son, and if divinely given. It was a right thing for God so to do. In granting this precious faith to them, God, in Jesus, manifested himself as a saviour God, for it was through faith that they laid hold of the salvation available in Jesus, and made known in the Gospel. If God acts in perfect consistency with his nature and character in clearing the believer from every charge of guilt, it is the same in his granting faith to the remnant of Israel, and to ourselves also, who, from among the Gentiles are vessels of mercy. Grace and peace are invoked, the grace that enables us to enter into the things of God, to enjoy what God has given to us. The peace that can keep the spirit from all disquiet while we pass through a world of corruption and trouble. 
but it is in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord that grace and peace are multiplied to us. The more we are in communion with God and with the Lord Jesus, the more we are enriched with divine grace, and the more are we preserved in peace amidst the present conditions of this world, which is fast ripening for judgment. The promise of life. Realizing the failure of the church in regard to the testimony committed to it by God, and knowing that its ruin was inevitable, the Apostle Paul wrote to his beloved child Timothy to instruct him, and us, in the path of God's will for such a time. While saddened at the church's failure, we need not be surprised, for man has failed in every position in which God has placed him in responsibility, and the greater the position of privilege, the greater has been the failure. Adam, Noah, Israel, Aaron, David and Nebuchadnezzar all witness to man's solemn history of failure. With all this before him, Paul announces himself in his second epistle to Timothy as apostle by the will of God, according to the promise of life, the life that is in Christ Jesus. We are brought at once, at the very threshold of the epistle, to what is outside the realm of human failure, to where all rests on the promise of God, not on man in responsibility. Moreover, the life that is promised is in Christ Jesus, where it cannot be corrupted or lost, death cannot touch it, for it has no claim upon it or power over it. Here we can find rest, comfort and joy for our hearts amidst all the breakdown and ruin of the last days, for God has brought us into what lies outside of all the failure of man. He has given us what is in Christ Jesus, what was promised before the present church period began, yea, before the ages of time, a life, eternal life which was brought to light by the gospel after death had been annulled by the Lord Jesus.